Dillman. This is It's All Good Man, The Better. Better Call Saul Podcast. My name is Brian, and with me, as always, is Dave with the goatee. Dave with the goatee, how's it going? (laughs) (laughs) Dave and I also host the Nothing Important Podcast. You can find that on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever the hell else you listen to I or podcast. (laughs) Or at nothingimportantpodcast.com. Stitcher. So, I know we're on Stitcher. Did you say Stitcher? Stitcher. We're probably on there somewhere. We're on, well, that's where I listen to us. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. so we are on Stitcher. All right. So we finally made it after damn near an entire year. Yeah. Season three premiere of Better Call Saul. Woo-wee. <laughs> All right. So. Yeah, it's been a while, and I am certainly excited. Uh, I miss you guys. Yeah. It's been, yeah, almost a full calendar year. They they delayed production. Uh, apparently, it was based on the guy that plays Gruss Fring's shooting mm-hmm. schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a pretty eventful year for the both of us since we've talked to you guys last. It has, um, a couple things I want to get out of the way before we start talking about episode one, Dave, episode one. Okay. Before we start talking about it, yes, sir. January, we finally got Michael McKean. Finally got Michael McKean. Right. Super awesome. We were super stoked about that. Super. If you haven't heard it yet, I loved the way. He humored us mm-hmm. by getting insightful into just the process of acting mm-hmm. and portraying a character. Right. Now, we're recording this Sunday night before the season one premiere, even though we have literally had these episodes <laughs> since March 10th, but it's been kind of a crazy month for us. Yeah. And uh, we'll we'll explain it all later, and I'm sure you'll hear a lot more of it on the Nothing Important Podcast, and it'll probably come out throughout the course of the show. Probably. Because uh, Dave and I are probably more open talking on these podcasts than we are probably talking to most of our friends and stuff in real life. Pretty much, yeah. I'm pretty open with my friends. I'm more so open than you are, definitely. Yeah, I, I'd say so. It's mostly just because I, I just feel like I'll just carry whatever weight and just deal with right. it. Right, and I'm, I think, more, I'm more of the, uh, I'll give you a bunch of information, and then you give me a bunch of information, so mm-hmm. I know a lot about people that don't. Right. Really want to know. Right. Sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, so we got to talk to Michael McKean in January. And uh, two days ago, I got the chance to talk to Michael McKean again. 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 I did. Now, you you couldn't make the recording. I couldn't uh, make the recording. Ironically, we'll probably get more into this later, but I was on set with Brandon K. Hanton, who plays Ernesto on Better Call Saul. That's right. Dave was Dave was uh, working on a project with Brandon. Mm-hmm. Um. So I decided to go solo, and uh, I, I use this program that I use for our Anthony Melicori interview over at Nothing Important, right? Mm-hmm. Thought I finally had it figured out. So we had a time set for Michael McKean, and uh, apparently I accidentally fat-fingered the phone number, so we had to cancel it because we couldn't get the phone number to work because I accidentally gave him the wrong phone number, right? <laughs> so Which- super... I always thought it was weird because he called before, so didn't he have your phone number? Well, he probably has a million phone numbers. This is true. So... Uh, at a super last minute, uh, I get the opportunity to... It was to, like literally 11th hour. It was like 11 o'clock or something And like it that. wasn't even 100% <laughs> up until about 10 minutes before he was going to call, right? <laughs> so I'm at work. I take break. I record the phone call solo with Michael McKean, who was super awesome, gave some super really good insight. Uh-huh. And then I tried to send Dave, or I sent Dave the file. Uh-huh. I got, I got, I got an email. Right, and I said to myself, you know what? As a backup, I better send it to my own email because it was an awesome conversation. Uh-huh. Now, this app that I use to record the phone call, they put the goddamn delete button right next to the send button, <laughs> right? The share in your yeah. email. Mm-hmm. And I apparently hit delete 
on the entire conversation. Now, I didn't say, are you sure you want to delete this? I was going to ask. It didn't? No, it was like delete, and then it was back to normal, as if you just like shared it over email. It was almost like an undo. Yeah. So I realized what happened. So I panic, and I call the company that owns the app, and they're like, dude, as soon as you delete it, like it, it's gone forever. So I had a really good conversation with Michael McKean after a previous screw-up, and then I went and uh, accidentally deleted it. So that sucks. That and sucks. I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to ask... The AMC people to set up another one. I'm just going to hope sometime down the road we get another chance to talk with Michael McKean maybe right. for season four. Right. Um, because I'm already gracious. It's already, they were more than gracious by already giving us two chances. Right. And I grateful. Them. You're grateful. Grateful. Yes. yes. Well, they were gracious. They I were, was grateful. Exactly. And uh, I, I own that. Fine. You know, like I screwed up. It's kind of funny, but it sucks. Uh, so uh, I'll probably pepper in things that he said to me uh, throughout yeah. the interview. But be awesome. Uh, if anybody listened to our interview with him in January, uh, he was on his way to see the new Star Wars film, uh-huh. and I asked him about that, and yeah. he did enjoy it, just not as much as the mainline, huh. not as much as the mainline Star Wars, and uh, he, he was he was very jovial and uh, very nice. But the thing thing about talking to Michael McKean is, um, I feel like he's so talented and so smart. That like conversationally, it's like way out of the league. So you try to, <laughs> like, I try to keep up with him because like right. I speak very casually. Yeah, and uh, and like my, I I don't think a lot about what I'm gonna like. If I think about what I'm going to say, I start stumbling. So I'm just right. usually like an off the cuff kind of guy. Mm. And I, I'm, I, you know, but you're very good at. You're very good. Yeah, at. not as deep as uh, as other people. You know, as but as, he, a, as a day from from once all good man might be. <laughs> right, but um. <laughs> But yeah, so that's what happened with that. So I had another Michael McKean interview for you guys. I totally botched it, but um, AMC reps are super cool. We have a lot of opportunities coming up that they're already like preloading for us, but I can't talk about nice. them yet. Uh, but hopefully we can get Michael McKean back on and I won't delete at that time. I literally had a 10-minute window to talk to him. Oh, I had a 15-minute window, 10 of which was record time. Uh-huh. So it was very like while I was at work, I told my employees – Hey, I'm ducking into this office for 15 minutes. I right. will be back in 17 minutes. Right. And it was it was very rushed. Um, got it done. Accidentally deleted it. So uh, apologies to anybody that was involved with that or worked their asses off to make that happen for us. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things that happen when you're doing this. But Dave and I have teased it on Twitter and such. We did record with Bob Odenkirk. Finally. Yes. It's crack two. Of the big three since mm-hmm. we last spoke to you guys. Absolutely. And uh, Ray Seahorn called... Shortly after, so we yeah. got to speak with her as well. And it so, sounded like she remembered who we were. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and so uh, those will be coming up hopefully shortly after this episode airs. Uh, we wanted to get it out last week, but again, uh, life has just been crazy for Dave and I. Mm-hmm. In fact, as we talk right now, it's like 11.20 at night, and I have to be in <laughs> Chicago by 6 a.m. Tomorrow, and I'm 70 miles out. But <laughs> I want to promote what's going on because I met up with Brandon K. Hampton on St. Patrick's Day. He's in town. Mm-hmm. He got me involved in a pilot shoot for a show mm-hmm. called Conrad. So please go check that out. Brandon's directing a couple scenes, and he's acting in it. And he's a monster director. That's definitely learned a lot. You can see the influence mm-hmm. in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and like Peter and Vince's influence and his camera angles and like attention to detail and gotcha. stuff like that. Awesome. Very, very, very awesome. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just coming off a 15-hour shoot, <laughs> <laughs> and he's he, he had like one hour of sleep, and he's just he's an awesome dude, and I, I cannot give enough props to the man. And 
the appreciation he shows to us, mm-hmm. inviting us out to hang out when he's in town and yeah. knowing, you know, who we are. It's like, it's super cool. So go check out Conrad and uh, hopefully he gets picked up. There's trailers on YouTube and uh, we'll see what happens. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. But right now we are talking about Better Call Saul episode season one. Season three. Season three. One. Okay. So Mabel, and I have to point this out. Yes, Mabel sir. is the name of that guitar over your right shoulder. Oh, this guy here. No, that's my left shoulder. That guy there. Yep. Awesome. My my cherry burst Les Paul ever since college. Uh, there was a friend of ours that I nicknamed Mabel, and mm-hmm. I named my guitar after her. Nice. Because I like that name. Okay. So the episode opens. It's a cold open. We get to uh, we get to catch up with Gene. Uh, he's on his lunch break, eating a sandwich, hanging out at the mall, kind of scoping the view, and a uh, uh, un- uh, uh, unsurly, maybe that's the wrong word, a, a scrupulous gentleman. Is kind of uh, sneaking around as if he uh, stole some items, ducks into a photo booth. Mm-hmm. The police track him down, figure out he's sitting in the photo booth, and they start pressing Gene for information <laughs> where he went. And I, I loved how there was the struggle right. uh, of Gene, like, I, I don't know if I should say anything, like, what what do I do here? Right, yeah. I, I love the way that was How can out. I, like, limit my interaction with the mm-hmm. cops? Do I bust this guy out? Mm. He might be a future client. No. Right. <laughs> well, it's Gene. He's not Saul anymore, but yeah. Right. So he, he officially kind of uh, kind of points to the photo booth. The police mm. catch the, the perp, I guess, to mm. use the uh, parlance of our time. <laughs> and uh, uh, old Saul gets the better of Gene. You're like that internal struggle, right? <laughs> right. And uh, Gene can't help it. He's like, get a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Get right. a lawyer. Get a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Don't let the man, you know, break you down. I love how the uh, the cop was like, uh, thanks a lot, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it but, was uh, uh, great. I, really, I, I mean the perp. The perp was like, thanks a lot, asshole. Was that the perp? I thought yeah. that was one of the, I thought the police were pissed because. No, because he pointed him to the thing. So he, and the guy knew that Gene had busted mm-hmm. him out. So then he's yelling at him. You know, thanks a lot, asshole. Okay. But what I like about this scene is, uh, you know, you know, I always take my notes about the songs that are playing. I don't know. Yeah. Sugartown is the song that was playing. Okay. There's a reference. He's reading um, The Moon's a Balloon, which is the David Niven autobiography. Okay. I don't know what that means, but look that up. <laughs> I thought and, you were uh, going. All right. It really seems um, as if, uh, okay. I like the time lapse that mm-hmm. shows you get some insight into Gene's day. Mm-hmm. And it seems like these black and white scenes, these opening shots of the season get longer and longer. I think I said that last season, too. Right, yeah. So they're, they're more uh, in, in, uh, involved. And I noticed he's got a Kansas City Royals bag mm-hmm. that he keeps his lunch in. Mm-hmm. Isn't Kim from Kansas City? Yeah, I thought so. Or she's from Kansas, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe there's some sort of connection there. Interesting. But eventually, while he's icing the uh, the Cinnabuns, is that what they're called? The Cinnabi. I believe they're called Cinnabi. Right, yes. yeah, the plural form. The <laughs> Cinnabi. Uh, something happens. Don't know if it's a stroke or he just passes out. Something happens at his head. He falls on the ground. End of scene, which is significantly different from the last two. Because the last two seasons, it was more like, well, this is just kind of a day in the life of Gene. And they always ended on like some sort of relief. A tension and then a relief. Right. Like, uh, like, he gets, uh, like last season, he was stuck. Mm-hmm. in the dumpster room and then eventually like a security guard opened the door and he just kind of right. scooted out. But this appears to be hinting that we're going to find out more about Gene throughout the season. I hope so. Because I, I can't, I like, I hope they don't go until 
Season four. Season four, and then yeah. suddenly Gene's awake again. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so to me, I took that as like, oh, man, we're going to see Gene again before the end of the season. I hope so, yeah. I really hope that they get it all, they delve into that a little more. Yep. Uh, show opens, title screen, Statue of Liberty. Statue of Liberty. We're repeating the cycle again. Yep, absolutely. Um, and we pick back up just seconds before right. season two ended. Yep, it's almost like they filmed that scene last year. Yeah, <laughs> Chuck and Jimmy, uh, Jimmy storms, Jimmy storms out of the house. Um, and makes a phone call, and then he re reenters yeah. Chuck's house, which I didn't expect. I thought no. once he stormed out, that that was it, and we'll see it play off from there. Right. I think but, he, ca- he called Howard. Right. Yes. Yeah, and then he walks right back in, and I was I was very surprised by that. Mm-hmm. He walks back in. He he decides to start like almost like playing it down, like like the intensity of their exchange, right? You know, like almost like playing it down, like uh, you know, like helping them unroll the unroll the duct tape from the tinfoil, right? Yeah, wall. just like I'm back to helping, you know, Chuck. We had a little spat, right? I got some fresh air, counter to ten, mm-hmm. and now I'll help you take down your fortress of whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it, it was kind of a good conversation. They were talking about Mabel, the book that was mm-hmm. read to them when uh, the, or uh, Chuck read that to Jimmy. Yep. When they were children. And uh, I like how Chuck kind of initially fell for that. Like the charm. The little bonding. Yeah. Back together. And then yeah. he kind of, he's like, you know, don't think I'll forget what happened here today. You will, you will pay. pay. Yeah. <laughs> and that rhymes. And you know it rhymes, Brian. I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that. Cause it was like, he, you know, Jimmy was just trying to charm him. Right. Like right. just, it, well, I, I felt I, I like didn't he was, take it that way. I didn't take it as he was trying to charm him. I took it as a, as the moment had passed, mm-hmm. and now we're just brothers again. Uh, yeah, I, I felt you know, it, or maybe like a like a distraction. So I guess that is charming. He was kind of like, getting his mind off of like it, like just trying to bring down the intensity, like yeah. kind of like sm- not, like in a way smooth it over, right? right like yeah. okay, that happened, like but let's like you know like I'm I'm Jimmy McGill and I'm so charming, you know maybe I can lower the intensity level, the the seriousness of what happened. Right. Chuck kind of falls for it a bit. And then, and then realizes what's going on. And yeah. he, you know, he tells him, "You will pay." Pretty yeah. like it ain't over yet, buddy. Yeah, it, it it ain't it ain't over yet. And that is one thing I asked Michael McKean about because yeah. I figured my interview with him would air after the first episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he he agreed. Uh, yeah, um, you know, the the way that Chuck sees it is, um, yeah, it's cute, and and they are brothers. But Chuck is vindictive enough where he, right. he won't he won't let that slide. Like, and I was told by a source, Brandon Hampton, um, <laughs> that they made special care to show like a smirk on Chuck's face mm-hmm. that he knows mm-hmm. he, he, he's slipping a little bit. Yep, absolutely. Um, and the book was the uh, Adventures of Mabel. Title of the episode. <laughs> I've never read the book, so maybe there's some parallels there that we're not aware of. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. Yep. So uh, then the next scene. We have uh, Ray. She's conducting business with old people. Doing some elder law. She's doing some. Okay, so are they partners or are they not partners? Did I mishear this? I thought she said when when Jimmy tried to kind of like reel back in his clientele, mm-hmm. right? Because Kim supposedly only has Mesa Verde as her one client, but but she's taking care of old people now. Right. So like the way it was initially set up, I got the impression like she was helping him because he was off doing whatever the like dealing with Chuck or whatever mm-hmm. the hell he was doing, and then like in a way he tried to reel his clients back in. Did she say we're not partners or we are partners? I thought she said we're not partners. I thought that came about last season mm-hmm. where they were going to share a building and that's all. 
Right. Because Jimmy kept slipping. Right. And then, but I do remember her saying something about, like, whatever you're doing, don't tell me about it. Mm-hmm. But I think that was only the Mesa Verde yeah. case, so she can maintain her plausible deniability. Right. So tomorrow on tomorrow on AMC, uh, I'll watch it with everybody else again, because why not? And then yeah. uh, maybe you guys can correct me. But I, I thought that was weird when she said we're partners. I'm like, did we miss something in the off season? Like, I, I thought that. I thought the whole thing was is they were just like coworkers, like co working yeah, space. Not even space. that. They're just they're co-inhabitants. Shared shared office space. Co-inhabitants of the space, not yeah. even co-workers. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um and I and I noticed that um I really liked when he tried to get her attention, she really established a boundary. Mm-hmm. I thought that might have a big part to do with what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, Wait, Jimmy, you know, like yeah, just establishing some boundaries. I think that's and uh, and uh, be on the lookout for our interview, our new interview with Ray Seahorn, because she touches on that a little bit as well. Indeed, and even gave me a little bit of props <laughs> during that conversation. <laughs> I I did love how uh, the the old lady she was initially speaking to wanted her garden specifically mentioned in the paperwork, <laughs> just in case, like <laughs> just in case she uh, ran up against a dirty judge uh, playing tricks. That's right. <laughs> You gotta old love people. old people. Old people, they're great. And then um, Kim and Jimmy are, are talking, and uh, kind of a powerful line. You know, he says, "She asks him if he's okay," and he's like, uh, "You know, like I kind of forgot what it was like when uh, Chuck didn't hate me, <laughs> <laughs> like, right? Like, kind of a, a, yeah. an emotional moment. You know, bring some uh, levity to the scene." Yeah. Next scene, Chuck's playing the tape for Howard. Mm-hmm. And if you guys remember from our season wrap-up episode of season two, Owen Benjamin, special guest, was totally right. Because he thought nothing would happen out of this. Mm-hmm. He said it's an easy way to talk it out of it, and that's exactly what Howard says. Oh, Jimmy can just talk his way out of this. Mm-hmm. You know, He kind of went through a whole bullet point list of why yeah. why it, it like Lawyer, totally lawyered up on that one. Yeah, he, he didn't, Howard didn't see how that could possibly benefit anybody. Right. Uh, because he can't use a secretly recorded tape. Right. Um, Jimmy can claim that the voice wasn't his. Right. And it's not going to help Hamlin Hamlin McGill regain the business of Mesa Verde. Right. They've already lost that client. Right. Yeah. That ship has sailed. Right. right so, yeah. like, where what what do we have going on? Like, right. What's, what's your plan? So then, so, yeah, my note is just it's got to be blackmail. It's the only reason Chuck would keep the tape at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we get our first taste of Mike in the next scene. Yeah, I honestly had forgotten how Mike had ended the season until they cut to Mike in the don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my notes for that were simply run. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, it too as it shows him escaping the scene because he's trying to figure out what's going on, who's watching him, and he's right. trying to escape down desert road. I love the like it must have been at most a second, maybe a second and a half shot. But as he's cruising down these like dirt roads in the middle of the desert, uh-huh. like there's just like a, a gun. Just like bouncing around the back seat, <laughs> like not not even like yeah, in case. Right. It's yeah. just bouncing it's, around like it was like yeah. a, a pop can or something back there. The marine sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it took me forever to figure out like why he was looking the car over. Mm-hmm. I could not. I couldn't put it together for a long time, and then finally, when he finds the bug, right. That's when I, I yeah I never put that together. Like, why is he looking all over his car? See, because he stopped because one time before that. Him. He stopped one time before before the scene where he takes the car apart. Uh-huh. He stopped before that, and one thing I noted in the desert 
he stopped, he looked around, and he kind of gained a sense of seeing if anybody was following him. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where it's kind of like, you know, the focus is him next to his car, and you can kind of see off to the distance. And uh, there's like a storm in the background, and right before it cuts to commercial or cuts to scene, you see like one single lightning bolt in the background. Nice. And I was in there. You and your, see, ah, you always get them little visuals right. in the background. So man. I was like, I remember watching that, and I'm like, I wonder if that was CGI or that was literally just the best right time at the right place type of filming there could have been. If we ever get a chance to talk to Mike Ehrmantraut, mm-hmm. we need to ask him that. Which I hear I hear rumors. I hear rumors it might actually happen. Um, but I, I just thought that was so that was so perfect. Yeah. That was so I, perfect. If I had noticed it, I would have thought so too. And then uh, uh, literally that was the first lightning bolt in a shitstorm that's brewing in Mike's life, I think. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then he's at the junkyard taking the car apart. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's funny because initially he throws the gas cap away. And then as he's sitting there waiting for his ride, it like dawns on him like right. that was the one piece of the car he didn't fully take apart. And the easiest place to plant a bug. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And uh, by the way, the car he was driving was an 87 Caprice wagon. Nice. I made a note of that. I don't know why, but for some reason, when he said that, it like stuck out to me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Maybe there's something about that gas cap being, you know, universal. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy is uh, with Mrs. Van Camp looking at uh, photos. And uh, he's kind of trying to usher her out the door and she won't be quiet, you know, and he's just kind of, <laughs> which it was like a reoccurring joke throughout the series. Cause then there were like later on, there was also the gentleman that was talking about collecting bottle caps right. and he's like trying to be like, Oh yeah, no, no, that's great. Okay, cool. Here's the door. <laughs> like, Oh yeah. Bottle caps. Well, Shit, yeah. Remember the, like the glass menagerie or whatever that the lady had. From- yeah. She had all the, like, uh, like yeah. all the little like weird figures, kind of like precious moments. Yeah. There, yeah. Uh, uh, Alpine. Shepherd Boy. Alpine Shepherd Boy. Boy. Nice recall. <laughs> Spends too long of a weekend for me to recall that one, but yeah. yeah. Very Al- nice. Al- Alpine Shepherd Boy. Uh, he says, next, uh, military base guy from uh, season two stand up. Let's have some respect here. He's an Air Force captain. Air Force captain. I, I do apologize. And uh, he's uh, pretty pissed off about Fudge Talbot. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I forgot about Fudge Talbot. Like, I Who forgot the fuck about is Fudge, Fudge Talbot. Talbot. Oh, it's the, the bum or whatever that guy was. Um, just some of their, um, the, obviously the air force captain is super fucking pissed cause he was lied to, but yeah. I like some of the interaction where Jimmy's just totally trying to play it off. Like, right. And I think I was kind of getting the vibe that this is like a CYA move on his part, mm-hmm. not Jimmy's part, the air force captains. Right. Yeah. He's the one that fucked up. Right. Yeah. 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 And originally I thought that was who got the tape. What? From Chuck. I thought that's what Chuck did with the tape was somehow use that to expose his brother as a fraud uh. and played it for the military guy. <laughs> but then now no, the way that you looked at me, I, I don't know why the hell I thought that. Yeah, that's, an idiot. come on, Cactus Brant. Yeah, that's my Cactus <laughs> moment. Brant, that was a dumb, dumb idea, Brant. So, <laughs> um, but I, I just love it. The guy's yelling at him and, and Jimmy's like, what's the big deal? Yeah. And he's like, oh, you didn't like the commercial? And then he just like keeps doubling down where he, commer- he, he compares the commercial to Top Gun. Well, because I, Top Gun wasn't really a, but, but hey, look what that did for you guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I like how he called it a B-52 because I just like the B-52s, mm-hmm. you know, but it wasn't as B as a B-29. Mm-hmm. Yep, corrected him. <laughs> uh, the captain gives him an ultimatum, uh, take it down or he'll pay. And uh, Jimmy gets a little bit of balls. Again. Right, there was one, I don't remember the exact instance last season, but I remember he, some Jimmy found his balls at one point and basically uh-huh. dared somebody to do something to him. And this is like a return of that where he's like, right. make me. 
Yeah, that's when I, I put foreshadowing right there. When he mm-hmm. says, make me, and Jimmy turns it around on him, puts the onus on the captain mm-hmm. to take some blame for this or force the issue. Right. And just kind of calls his bluff. Yeah, because what are you going to do? You're going to make yourself look like an asshole, too. Exactly. You know? And uh, the captain calls Jimmy an ambulance chasing piece of shit. And Jimmy has some sort of weird, like, breakdown and he projects his feelings to chuck on the captain he's like you're always criticizing me and, <laughs> and uh while i get what they're going for there mm. i i didn't like that i felt that was kind of lame like you know what i mean like like i get i get the dramatics of that right. and what, what that is supposed to entail but yeah. that's like you, you know i always talk about it's this kind of a trope right you know what it i mean it does happen it's a like, lot where like, you're yelling at the wrong person right like yeah like uh that's never once happened to me in my life, you know, or like I've, I've right. yelled at somebody because somebody keeps yeah. haranguing me. Stop yelling at me, dad, I'm, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I could see him being like, you're just like my brother or something like that, you know <laughs> what I mean? But like, but right. the actual like manifestation of like. Uh, you're his, so lost in that moment that right. you project somebody else being in front of you. Right. Now, maybe that does happen right. to people, but I, I feel like for such a great show every once in a while, this is one thing that like. Yeah. Like, tweak me, you know? I'm like, ah, man, like, why'd you... Okay. Like, I get it. Like, you know, but it doesn't ruin anything for me, you know? Right, they can't all be zingers, but you still love the whole product. It's a little bit like, like, okay, like, you know, could have done something different with that, but uh, they have a TV show and I don't. (laughs) (laughs) They have two of the most successful TV shows. (laughs) Right. So, who the fuck am I and what do I know, right? Uh, We get to see Mike in his booth again, which is nice. He heads home. He plas- He places uh, the the gas cap on the wall, mm-hmm. obviously to make it look like he isn't going anywhere and he isn't moving anywhere. And uh, he meets with um, the vet. It was nice to see Joe DeRosa. That's return. right, the vet coming back. Yeah, the vet. It, uh, who? Uh, one thing I liked about the vet was, um, well, a couple things. Um, one, I like how he uh, charged Mike a grand for the house call. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> because like, <laughs> hey, next time, like, let's try to keep it to working hours. Like, yeah. this is fucking ridiculous. We're meeting out in the middle. But uh I I I also really liked how he stopped and he asked Mike how his dog was doing. Yeah, right. Like, so he's, he's still a actually vet. is a vet. Yeah, he's yeah. a vet through and through. Like <laughs> just like like look, dude, I'm gonna charge you I'm gonna charge you extra money because this is fucking ridiculous. You're asking me to like get this crazy ass transmitter. For whatever the fuck you got going on. Right. It's the middle of the night. I'm going to charge your ass. But hey, is your dog okay? Yeah, how's your dog doing? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I really like that. And it was good to see Joe DeRosa because towards the end of last season, uh, Joe was actually on this very podcast. Yep, we did have a chat with him. We did have a chat with him. And like we kept rooting for him to come back because he was such a cool guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was one of my first questions. Like, oh, man, like well, who is... uh, who, who could possibly come back? And I, I remember thinking like, well... Like, as I was starting to watch the the episode for the first time, I was like, who the hell could come back? And I saw Joe DeRosa's name on the credits. I'm like, oh, awesome. <laughs> the, the the vet's back. So it was nice It was nice to see him again. So yeah. hopefully we get to see some more of his uh, his shenanigans uh, as the season goes on. Indubitably. Yep. Next scene, Case uh, Kim hanging out with uh, Paige at Mesa Verde. Good camera pan. I wrote that note down. Good camera pan. And I keep saying I wrote that note down because honestly, I watched this episode like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was. I remember there being a really kick-ass camera pan there. You know what I was most amazed with is the giant sculpture of a horse and cactus. And oh, that's what it was. Not see, so just re- refresh me because the, the camera pans to where the statue lines up. 
yeah. to one picture. Right, yeah, yeah. Right, and a horse and cactus, because, you know, we got to think about cacti in this show. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> and we're I was a couple thinking, horses I'm like, asses. I'm like, I'm like, I, uh, like, I wonder if the Pecos that was a set piece or, like, the, uh, the, uh, the location scouts really found a building with just a giant-ass horse and cactus sculpture. Probably the latter. I think that was Pecos Bill. Pecos Bill. I'm just going to go on record and say it is Pecos Bill. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if that's the real name of the character I'm thinking of, Pecos Bill, but Pecos Bill. Pecos Bill, okay. And uh, I really like how Paige is making Ray sweat the details. Mm-hmm. Ray is really sweating the details. Right. Bad. Right. <laughs> and uh, Ray also touched on that in our conversation with her. Exactly. Uh, some of my notes from that was um, as she's talking to Paige, um, she, well, first off, she was impressed that that uh, Kim got their uh, their redo on the meeting moved up. Mm-hmm. And then she passively calls Chuck an arrogant jerk. Right. But Kim's in the know, so you can see it on her face where she's like, oh, man, that was like. But he is an arrogant jerk. He is. <laughs> so it's but kind she's of not those, calling like, him an arrogant, arrogant jerk those... because he was legitimately being an arrogant jerk. He was being an arrogant jerk because he was legitimately right, and Jimmy fucked him over, and she knows that. So right. while it's completely warranted, that particular instance, he wasn't being an arrogant jerk. Right. He was at that point a dude who know his who knew his shit. Right. And that's what <laughs> I was saying was that that you there was a good job of showing that duality, the mixed feelings about it because, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, and you know and, and and like you said, you know she's sweating the details and she's st- she's sitting there late proofreading and it's like is yeah. this a colon or semicolon like maybe yeah. it's a hyphen you know well, like you just learn how one fuck up can cost you. Yeah, and, and I, I like about the dynamic of the relationship there because Jimmy had just finished painting when mm. she was finishing up, and she said she had one more little thing to do, and he knew he was going to be there a while, so he just goes back to painting. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, uh, after the break, I don't know if it, see, we don't see where the commercial breaks are. Like, for us on the screeners, it just looks like another scene. Right. It doesn't look like a commercial break. So exactly. So if we say after the break, it might not be after a commercial break. So don't think you're missing anything that we missed. We just don't know how it's edited. We don't. We yeah. don't know how it's aired until we watch it with you guys for right. probably sometimes the third and fourth time we've seen exactly the episode. So we're back at Chuck's house. Uh, our buddy Brandon K. Hampton as Ernesto uh, brings, uh, you know, ice apples, uh, batteries. And uh, Chuck needs Ernesto's help changing the batteries in the uh, the recorder. In the tape recorder, yes. In the tape tape recorder. Um, I okay. think I think this is the biggest scene of the show of the of the of the episode. Personally, yeah. I think this might have the most influence right here, where Ernesto accidentally turns on the tape. Yep. Here's like maybe like five seconds if Uh that and then it's like oh like a big panic time and chuck is uh chuck is a flutter and then he starts like kind of like backhandedly threatening ernesto he urges confidentiality Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah like like basically saying uh say anything to anybody i'll fuck your day up right yeah (laughs) like don't make don't make me do it this this, doesn't leave this room Yeah. yeah this doesn't leave this room um and remember, because Ernesto is friends with Jimmy. He mm-hmm. calls Jimmy his friend. Yeah. That's why I think this might turn out to be something, you know, he's one guy's lackey. He's the other brother's friend. 
Let's see what happens. And I like how Chuck does that whole super villain thing where he's like, yeah. you know, you can't tell anybody because of like, you know, uh, confidentiality. That could that could ruin your career. And you know, if you went and talked to somebody about it <laughs> and you ruined your career, well, I and this is a direct quote, I I'd feel sick about it. Right. <laughs> right? Like yeah. so he's like like Such that a whole pompous manip- old asshole right? about it. You know? <laughs> That's the arrogant prick right there. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're back to Mike and, uh, Mike is setting up the decoy transmitter. Um, and at first I didn't understand what he was doing with the AM radio. That one. Um, what was he doing with the AM radio? Was he just powering the AM radio with it? He, what he was doing was because he needed to make it look like the battery was draining. That's right. right. He drained the battery. Right. So he hooked the AM radio up to the battery. So while it was inside the thing, so it kept chirping the GPS but right. it was also draining the battery super quick, and it was also genius because when the the AM radio started to fizzle out and lose power, he knew that he was close to it right. being done, and that's when he could get rid of the battery. Right. Yeah, that's a genius. That's well done, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's something I will just say. Yeah, it's pretty damn genius. Yeah. Buy the same transmitter, drain the battery, mm-hmm. swap them out. Now you're following them. Right. And you know what? I, and it took me till after the episode was over to realize what he was doing with the transmitter because I was, I was sitting there and I'm like, okay, well, why do he hook the, the radio up to it? Like, does that somehow jam the frequency? Like what? I don't understand what the point of that was. And then as the credits rolled, I was like, Oh shit. He was using that to like help drain the battery because yeah. he couldn't do anything. He couldn't just pull the battery drastically because uh, the people that are following him would then be onto him. Because right. the battery would just disappear. Because you can even see when when they show the tracker, you can see it, which I'm pretty sure it's obviously a prop and it's probably not based on any real technology. But I love... And that's probably more based on, like, trademarks, honestly. Right. And I, But I do love how even on the trackers, like, screen where it tells how far in a way they are, mm-hmm. there's, like, a battery icon that looks like a cell phone battery <laughs> icon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I cracked up about that the first time they show the tracker. I'm like, oh, well, at least, you know, he has, like, almost half a battery. Yeah, like, right. that's, that's pretty fucking great. <laughs> but then I put two and together, and I'm like, oh, okay. But before the uh, credits roll, um, it, it's just kind of, uh, you just see Mike ready to do something like he's just on point well he starts following them right that's right they come they pick up the gas cap mike after eating like a bowl full of pistachios or whatever the fuck he was eating Mm, because apparently all stakeouts you have to have pistachios uh you have to that's the classic wasting time snack other than sunflower (laughs) seeds uh and then this episode ends with mike taking off down the road becomes unfocused bam the credits hit End of episode one. Pretty sure he's going to go meet Gus. Just throwing it out there. Pretty sure he's going to meet Gus. You haven't seen episode two yet. Brian cannot affirm nor deny, and yep. I haven't seen episode two yet, so I am pulling that out of my ass. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a quick wrap-up, actually, there, but um, I, I think that this... We're getting more efficient at it. Yeah. And, uh, and help, please, if you're out there, help us fill in any gaps that, that we right. missed. And I think, I think a lot of these are just kind of like meaty scenes that... They're just it's laying the foundation. Like I think we're gonna have some some longer episodes coming up with some more some more things to talk about. It's just setting the scene, setting the series up. Yeah, it's it's, it's setting the pace. I, like like yeah. I wrote on the 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 Huffington Post thing I did. It's um, by the way, everybody. I don't think we've mentioned that yet. But Brian is writing articles for the Huffington Post now. I think it's just a contributor's platform. I don't I, I don't think I get any real push, but it's just something for me to do. You know what exactly I mean? what it is because it says contributor. 
yeah, I, I mean, that's not like I get paid for it, but it's something fun to do, and maybe one day it'll lead to something, right? So who knows? Anyway, right. but what I wrote about the episode, because I it, the series always gets flack, because it's like either it takes forever to set up nothing, or it sets up a million things with no resolution over the course of an episode. So people have been been kind of like, you know, like they like the show, but sometimes the pace is yeah. off kilter. Mm-hmm. And as I watched this episode, to me, it felt like, like they've hit their stride. They know exactly the pace. So like, well, yeah, not a million things happened in the episode. There's some pretty heavy meaty scenes to the episode that lay a great foundation for the season going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it did resolve some things like, you know, that, Mm-hmm. That Mesa Verde's back with Kim for sure. Because I don't right. know if that was a totally certain. Um, Chuck and Kim are together, right? I, are they together as a couple? Yeah, they're they're a couple. They but still are a couple, just not business. There's some like tension there. Yeah. Um, and I will say, as somebody who's seen episode two, um, that feeling continues throughout episode two. Nice. So, like, um, I kept as I was watching the episode. I kept, I was like really into it. Ernesto just texted me. <laughs> I keep, I, I kept watching it, you know, mm-hmm. and then I look at the, the time on the wall, my, my, my wall clock, you know, and I'm like, man, I could tell if a lot of time or a little time has gone by or, and then I saw, um, I, I, you know, like scroll over the time bar on the video because they send us this through right. like security email mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'd see like, well, there's still like 15 minutes left at the episode, but like, damn, it feels like so much has happened, but like, really, it, it kind of hasn't, you, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. like I, I kind of went through the same thing, honestly. And it, it was like, I didn't want it to end, but I felt like it was going on for too long, but then it, nothing was really established, but a lot was fucking established. Yeah. And so after giving it pause, you know, uh, that's where, that's where I came up with the thing like, Hey, um, it seems like it seems like more focused, like more deliberate. Like yeah. they know what they're going to do, and that that was my suspicion. More of an even pace, and then just given given out a, uh, a you know without anything for episode two, um, it that continues mm, into good. episode two. And after I was done with episode two, I was really into it. I'm like, all right, cool, yeah, that's that's where they're at. Like this cool. is this is now this is now um, gone from being a prequel to breaking bad to like its own show. Like they're confident now, you know what I right, mean? Like yeah. they know what they want to do. They've, They've come they, into their own right. as this separate, not it's, there's really, it's the same, it's of. the same universe, but this is definitively its own story. Right. And, right. uh, which is funny because a lot of people, even like, you know, guys on the film shoot, cause we're, you know, there's, it's a crew of, you know, 10, at least 10 people usually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Brandon K. Hampton, better call Saul is the director and, you know, and then, so it comes up and people talk about it and they're like, Oh, you got to see breaking bad first. And it's like, I tell them all like, no, you don't. Not at all. You do not need to see breaking bad first. You, there will be things you don't get. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, recurring guests and little Easter eggs and stuff like that. Yeah, fine. Mm-hmm. So you don't get the the full on experience that a Breaking Bad fan does, but it's a mm-hmm. damn good show on its own. Yep, absolutely. And yeah. uh, I don't think they uh, remember last year in the first episode of season two, there was a bunch of really good Easter eggs from Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. And just to solidify that, um, I don't think there was very many, if any at all, Easter eggs 
from Breaking Bad in the first episode of season three. I did not. I didn't catch, catch any. I didn't catch any. And you know me, I, I look for that kind of thing. Yeah, unless I maybe, didn't catch any. I mean, maybe uh, the moon's balloon or something. I mean, heroin comes in balloons, but there was crystal meth, so never mind. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, um, maybe you can stretch something out. But yeah, I didn't pick up a single Easter egg or reference to Breaking mm-hmm. Bad. Yep. Well, maybe in episode two, mm. I've noticed some. Maybe. Maybe. Mm, and we'll with that, see. let us know your thoughts. What did you think about the first episode of season three? What did you catch that Dave and I didn't? Uh, what are your thoughts going forward? What would you like to see? What did you think about the pace? Because everybody always talks about the pace of the show, and I think it's only because they base it off of like the pace of Breaking Bad. Right. You know? So what did, what did you think about it? I, I thought it was heavy, deliberate. I thought it was an awesome episode. Um, it I, made me, it whetted my whistle for the season. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Right. And if, it, and, and if you look at all the critics reviews and stuff like uh, that, compared to the first two seasons, like even the critics agree, like, yeah, this is, this is like, it yeah. feels like the breakout season. Yeah. It, it feels like they know what they are. They, they know what they're going to do. They've hit puberty. Mm-hmm. Balls are dropping. Right. Pubes are spurting. Mm-hmm. Just and, flying. <laughs> <laughs> And I can go on record that Bob Odenkirk and Michael McKean agree with me. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, with that, please, just like last year, make sure you participate. Uh, We got some cool things lined up. Some uh, are already in the works with uh, some awesome people involved with the show, some actors. Uh, We keep talking about them, but Brandon K. Hampton uh, is on board for us to try to do some sort of live Q&A over the podcast. So as soon as I can figure out a method to make that work, <laughs> it's going to be hilarious. It's going to be, it's going to be a great season guys. And, and, uh, and Dave, you've only seen one, but I've seen both episodes and I cannot wait until I see that little email, you know, that says right. like, you know, confidential better call saw episode three. <laughs> Cause I'm going to have to stop myself from watching it at work because Dave and I only get like so like a, like five chances to watch the right. episode between the two of us between the two of us. So yeah. it actually takes a lot of coordination between Dave and I's different right. lifestyles to make sure that <laughs> that we don't do something dumb like load it and then accidentally and then, refresh the page right. because then now that's two views that's two down. Views. That happened then, the first the very first time we got an episode. Brian used up like all the views, and I just like I caught one. Yeah, because <laughs> so, we didn't we didn't know because we're dumbasses. Yeah. We've never done this before. Because it counts up and not down. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. So, better call Saul season three. Check us out for preview with the prior. Check out our upcoming interviews, please, 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 please. Check out the Nothing Important podcast. Yeah, there are going to be times that we're going to use interviews from celebrities from this show on the Nothing Important podcast. But I promise you. If you go to nothingimportantpodcast.com and look at the awesome guests that we have on there and we are going to have on there in mm-hmm. the future, it's totally worth your listen. Yeah. We get we get down to the nitty gritty. Yeah, man. That's right. So, uh, subscribe on iTunes. Yep. Go to the website, sawgoodman.com. Hit us up on Twitter and Snapchat. Dave? Uh, I just wanted to bust, uh, I'm going to bust Brandon K. Hampton out um, on Spilling Coffee on my Cayman Islands bucket hat that I used to wear <laughs> for my live shows. Nice little bitch. Call us idiots, call us geniuses, whatever, just call us. It's all good, man. It's all good, man.
Let's go.